You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, Jürgen. Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Welcome, Leuven. Welcome, everyone, to this new episode of The Voice on Radio. The last one of October, actually. Uh, this is an Anita at the microphone, and I'm here at the studio with Nicholas, of course. How are you doing, Nicholas? Hi, Anita. Pretty fine. Missing the other side of the studio and back where I cannot really have enough space for my things. But doing fine, doing fine. And sadly, with the new weather for this week, going back to the rainy days. But all excited that, okay, November is coming and soon it will be Christmas, but hopefully not COVID Christmas. Yeah, let's let's hope for the best. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to quickly mention our social media platforms uh, for listeners who might not know us or want to check our articles. Our website is thevoicelovin.be. We have a Facebook page, The Voice International Student Publication, and you can find us on Instagram, thevoice.kulovin. To listen to our past episodes, uh, radio episodes, you can check us up on Spotify, on The Voice on Radio. And moving forward to some news, um, or actually rather about what's going on at The Voice, uh, do you have anything new for us, Nicholas? Yes, we have a new article called K. Leuven shifting towards code red until Christmas, but I will mention this a bit later with the news segment, so I will not go in detail into the uh, article. And we are preparing so many articles for this upcoming weeks, but you'll have to wait a bit for checking them out. And we have new things for each of the new sections. As you all know, The Voice has gotten just a new team. So we're currently working on it and hopefully we'll have very good content coming coming out soon. And, well, I want to do a little recap of last week's radio show that was very special. So it was Poetry on the Radio, Poetry Reading and the Masterful Lyrical Writing of Nobel Prize in Literature winners. So we had Claire invited for this show, she is one of the editors of the Arts and Culture section, and we had some poetry from Louis Gluck, who was the winner for the Literature Nobel Prize this year, a poem from Vicente Alexandre that was a Spanish writer Simus Henny, who was Irish, and Gabriela Mistral, who was Chilean, I believe. And it was very exciting. We had very nice poetry. I was surprised how nice the show it was. I was listening to it this morning, and I was like, okay, that sounds very exciting. What do you think of it, Anita? Yeah, and if I, I must say, you guys were amazing and really entertaining me here on the other side of the of the board, and you are a very good poem uh, reader, if that's, if that's a thing. You really can interpret it really well. And Claire was also really... Um, really good i i enjoyed being i enjoyed being entertained by you guys <laughs> thanks and we had a lot of fun it was very fun and it was so beautiful to listen to all this poetry we hadn't done it in a while and hopefully we'll have it again for this semester or next semester but we'll see i mean it will come as a surprise as our topics improvising and, is our favorite thing yeah exactly um, one day I can wake up and be like, okay, let's do a show on poetry again, or let's go crazy and do something on theater. That is something I've wanted to do for a couple of months now, but I still need to plan it more. So we'll come with these surprises later on. Now we are ready to move to our news section, as Anita was mentioning, and we have three news that are not that exciting and are COVID-related, and the other one is a bit more like a fun news article, but I'll go very brief over these articles today because we have a very long but very special show prepared for all of you. So in the first place is the one referring to the article we had, that is K-Leuven switches to online teaching with exception for first-year students. So basically, as you all know, Belgium is not in its best right now with the COVID crisis 
prices. So we know that Brussels and Wallonia are in code red, but Flanders has not taken yet so many measures. In response to these measures taken in campus Brussels and as well in Wallonia, Flanders decided, well, the education, higher education in Flanders decided to move a little bit and then they turned um, the code to red. In the second article that we have in the news segment is regarding a little controversy that is going on right now with the N SNCB train system in Belgium and it is that last week there was like a photo of passengers packed inside of a train that was posted on Facebook and caused an outrage among social media users that were actually calling on the train company to make and move and make it better because it's incredible that this is happening in the times of corona that no enough measures are being taken. Personally, I've been taking some trains and they are not packed at all, but this photo turned out to be real. So maybe it's during specific hours of the day when everyone is going either out of work or just like picking their kids. But it's a reality and sadly, something has to change in the system of transport as well. And the last news article that it's a bit more outgoing, like like to chill down a bit is regarding a new TV show on Netflix that is called Emily in Paris. I haven't watched it personally. I think it's two butterflies and too pinky for my taste, but it seems exciting for some people. But this specific article discusses how after so many movies, so many TV shows, so many cringy movies as the Sex in the City and all this, how after all of this experience, they keep getting Paris so wrong. They're putting it as that you will find lovers at every corner and everything is so pink, the city of love, so beautiful, everything is perfect. So I will not spoil anything about this article, but if you're interested, you can go to the BBC uh, World um, website and then you can look at the culture and films part and you will see this article is very funny. I read it and I was like, it's true, it's true. They always play Paris like so beautiful and now it's okay. Yes, it's beautiful, it's a beautiful city, but it's not as they play in the movies. So that was everything regarding the news um, segment and as well the voice, what is going on with the voice. And I think we are ready for our first song of this show. This next song is called Left Hand Free by Al J.
That was Left Hand Free by Al J. Um, I will now go and introduce our very special guest for this week's episode. Um, it's actually two of them, which makes it even more special. Um, so it's Kranti here with me. She's from India, a PhD researcher in the field of circular economy. And, um, and Jonathan, he's, he works in the banking sector. You would probably explain more in depth what that means. <laughs> and he's, he's from Belgium. And they're both here uh, as spokespeople of the uh, movement Extinction Rebellion. So welcome, guys. How are you doing? Great. Uh, really happy to be here. Really happy to be able to talk to uh, talk about Extinction Rebellion. Like during Corona crisis, we felt restricted, and I I'm loving the platform. Welcome. I'm really happy that you guys are here too. And Jonathan, you wanna have the listeners hear your voice as well? <laughs> I'm also very happy to be here uh, <laughs> because indeed we have been a bit cooped up and not been able to do basically anything, right? Uh, so yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm really happy that we can still have this show and and entertain entertain our listeners a bit more. Hopefully, they don't shut the our studio down. Uh, so let's get started. I'm very curious to learn more about about what you guys do and your involvement in Extinction Rebellion. Uh, so just to introduce a bit, um, I'm familiar with this movement because I've attended a few events um, and uh, I've actually done also a public action, which was my very first time. It was a lot of adrenaline flowing and uh, like a very strong experience for me, but um, it, it was important to attend, I think, also because I learned, I also study in uh, sustainable development and things that are really related to what Extinction Rebellion fights for. Um, so, but I would go on ask you, Jonathan, maybe to introduce a bit uh, like the movement for those who don't know. Uh, maybe, yeah, tell us a bit about us, a bit about uh, the mission and vision of Extinction Rebellion. Okay. Um, so basically, the movement got started in uh, in the UK with three demands that the government. Uh, declares a climate emergency so uh, that it tells the truth about what is really going on and that we need to move to a different economic system. Then the second demand is of course to uh, move to a climate neutral uh, economy. And then the third demand which is the most interesting uh, according to me, right, so I only speak for myself in this, is that we do this via a citizens assembly which means that uh, people will be selected from the population through sortition, uh, which means that they are randomly selected, but in a way that uh, certainly every social group is represented, every socioeconomic class and all of that. Uh, and then they can discuss together, of course, the larger public, there will also be, you know, uh, time to give input from there. Uh, 
And I really, I really, really like, uh, I th- really believe that this is the solution to doing it. Because as we saw, for example, in France, when they started doing carbon tax, you had like the yellow vests getting very annoyed uh, because it made their life too hard, right? And if we just had the, those people in the conversation from the start, I think we could have gotten a lot further a lot sooner. And to me, it seems like I I don't know what's exactly come out of uh, the, what's it called, Le Gros Débat uh, or something like that, uh, the grand debate in France, you know, where they had some kind, it was not really a citizens assembly, right? But they uh, also had like a big discussion and actually quite strict and quite ambitious climate targets came out, I heard. Uh, so I would hope that in Belgium we achieve the same somehow and hopefully even better because I still don't think it will be enough. Yeah, and I would like to ask maybe Kranti involve you in this as well. Uh, do you think so far um, demands of ex- Extinction Rebellion have been met somehow and uh, in, yeah, how has the general public and the government reacted to, to XR demands? Yeah. Maybe I, I'll answer this question in two parts. One is, has the demands been met? Uh, there were a few success stories. One is some countries declaring climate emergencies. But we have seen that even after declaration of that, there has been no progress made towards meeting that goal. So again, the success is not, is, has been quite limited. Now coming to perception because of of Extinction Rebellion. Extinction Rebellion, in my opinion, is being considered a very extremist organization, especially in Belgium. Uh, Why is that, if I can ask? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, again, speaking for myself, it could be a bit of cultural, uh, uh, general perception because of uh, uh, supported by uh, cultural context towards a very flamboyant uh, movement. But I think it's also triggered by a lot by the government's uh, support or media support. I mean, I would like to here give an example of my own experience in uh, in, an, uh, in an XR action. Me, along with Jonathan and two others from XR Leuven participated in um, uh, the XR uh, action at the Auto Salon in Brussels in uh, January this year. We wanted it to be a fun event for us and for people we meet. So we took up, uh, uh, we were dressed up. I was dressed as a, as Mother Earth. There was a girl dressed up as a polar bear. We were dress, dressed up and we all we wanted to do was initiate a conversation with people who were there. Talk to people uh, uh, about why they were there and initiate a discussion on our fossil-based mobility system. But our action didn't go very far because the moment we stepped out of the metro station, we were arrested. So in my opinion, this was, I mean, uh, the action itself that we were conducting was non-provocative, non-extreme. It was, in fact, a very democratic right of ours, but we were still prohibited from doing so. That's one side. And on the other side, the media portrayed that all the actions that were done there were very extreme or they dramatized it. So the the people's perception about that action and XR in general has been a very... Uh, uh, manipulated and uh, and that's the reason for extremist uh, perception of people 
another point I could add, I'm not totally convinced, is the name of the event, a uh, name of the movement, Extinction Rebellion. Some people consider it as an uh, is itself an extremist. In fact, there is a discussion within XR Belgium to uh, question the name or question the relevance of the name, which in uh, me, me personally, I do not support, but I think there's there's a lot uh, about it that creates this uh, perception of XR. Yeah, and about the name, uh, can you can you explain us why this name? Uh, so Extinction Rebellion is basically we are in an existential uh, crisis. Exist, uh, uh, it's. I wouldn't say extinction of humanity itself, but in, in not quite yet, not quite yet. But it's about extinction uh, heading towards extinction or what kind of a um, situation that humanity will end up in. Of course, humanity might survive, but it, will it be a just transition? That's the question. Yes, and in what form? Because, of course, we have to think about the fact as well that at the moment we have a, a CO2 concentration in the atmosphere, which has uh, not been that high, I think, in, in millions of years. I know there is um, a precedent of uh, people of Extinction Rebellion getting numbers wrong, so I'm going to keep it a little bit vague. Uh, but as I understand it, as I was taught in history class, uh, we've only been doing... Um, uh, agriculture for the past 12,000 years, because then the climate became suitable and sufficiently stable. Uh, and so I find it very concerning that we are a million years uh, back. Uh, so I don't know what it will look like, right? Um, we might, at the moment, we have people starving, although we produce twice as much food as we need. Uh, that might be if we stop feeding some of the food to animals, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in, if that's included in the uh, in the double number. Um, yeah, but uh, inequality is definitely a huge issue as well. And from what I, I gather, Extinction Rebellion also looks at this. I mean, not necessarily. I heard actually, if I can ask you uh, about this, that the movement w got... Uh, a, a lot of media co coverage, which is actually uh, good, but I might also ask you further on about this. If you think it's actually good that it's covered um, more of like uh, as an extremist. Um, but the, what I wanted to ask is uh, the movement has been criticized uh, to have been born in the, yeah, in the uh, rich world, let's say, and sometimes not like really... Uh, the symbol of, of diversity uh, but actually to my eyes right here in front of me I have an Indian an Indian girl and, and you know a Belgian guy and and so it looks very diverse to me um, do, we, do you think the Extinction Rebellion is actually um, also working towards this kind of topics more uh, in depth? There is a diversity issue within Extinction Rebellion Belgium uh, Leuven is actually an exception, uh, and we're Extinction Rebellion Leuven because we have, you know, we have students, PhD students from all over the world. So that's why, uh, that's why here it's not that much of an issue. But we also have to be honest that uh, the, you know, the Belgian state reacts very forcefully here in Belgium. Uh, it's much, it's very, the police response is very different from the Netherlands or from the UK. Uh, and this means, of course, that people who are not European citizens, who are not Belgian citizens, 
if the guarantee is basically even if you just because we went through the auto salon just with some flyers and the intention of talking to people and not even entering the building and we all got arrested for doing basically nothing. I got arrested because I stepped out of the outside of the subway station and I had one button on me and I got arrested for that. I was not dressed as a globe. Uh, Uh, But I want to ask you actually about this topic uh, later on. I just want to make a a quick music break before we get back to it. And uh, so stay stay awake for me. (laughs) And uh, I will introduce the next song. We're playing Heroes by David Bowie.
and we are back. That was Heroes by David Bowie. Uh, so we are here with two very interesting guests. We're, we're talking about Extinction Rebellion and activism. And uh, before we move on to a more personal uh, side of the, yeah, the interview, I wanted to ask uh, you guys um, how XR actually um, Uh, tries to accomplish the, its objective in practice because you have mentioned some anecdotes of of some demonstration that you were that you attended or you were gonna attend before you got arrested, and I was just wanted to expand a bit upon these actions they're called by Extinction Rebellion and uh, yeah how um, the actions that have been taken that have taken place in Belgium for example what did they consist of? Mm, I think. Again, uh, talking about um, XR is undergoing a transition. As I mentioned that uh, every action of XR has been met with police reaction. So XR, Belgium, specifically Belgium, had to has to or is currently rethinking the strategy and would like to re, uh, redirect itself. And one way, or there are many ways to go forward, and one way is to in my opinion, is to, uh, to, um, to change the public perception. As I mentioned earlier, this perception of being extremist organization needs to be changed and the support from public is essential to go forward. So reintroducing more regenerative uh, activities is one way of going about going forward. Another way is education, communication, and Again, that supports in bringing in changing the perception, but going forward, uh, communication and education and awareness of general public could be one action to be uh, carried forward. And that's these are soft action, but could be very effective action. And what are the hard actions that XR started with? If you can make a few examples. Oh, as I mentioned earlier, Auto Salon was one. Uh, Royal Rebellion, which I couldn't be part of. Jonathan was part of Royal Rebellion, where um, people in hundreds came forward to uh, in a park, which, which was again not planned as an extremist uh, extreme action. Was met by uh, police uh, harsh um, reactions of police, which That's couldn't be taken forward. Sounds like an understatement, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also was there. You were there? Ah, yes. So, yeah, I, I also agree. But we can go in more in depth about, about that later on. <laughs> So, um, so basically, it just consists in, in non-violent non actions, right? And just, yeah, people gathering and for some purposes. And, for example, the, the Royal Rebellion, if you could explain a bit what, what the aim, not the aim, sorry, how that was going to take place. So the idea was to gather first uh, at, I think it's called the Palace Square, I guess, Palais Plain, uh, to gather there and then in small groups enter the Royal Gardens, which is considered a neutral domain, so you're not allowed to protest there. Uh, but of course, uh, one of the fundamental ideas of Extinction Rebellion is actually to do Uh, civil disobedience, right? So it has to be illegal, but non-violent. So sitting in a garden where you're not allowed to go, it fits within that uh, description. Um, but uh, as we came there, of course, well, actually, I was. I should clarify that I was there with not the intention to go into the garden because I. it was actually my first experience with activism. Uh, 
ja, so that was a that was a kind of a shocking one. Um, uh, but I got arrested anyway. Um, but yeah, the police uh, locked us into the square. Actually, it was the police that blocked the subway from moving through. So then we just had uh, instead um, a people's assembly uh, in in the palace square, which means that we had like a big group discussion on on the topics of climate change uh, and the ecological crisis. Uh, I see. So you still were able to 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 pull something out useful out of it um so that's that's nice but yeah definitely it, that was also very uh, covered there was a lot of media coverage about this so um, it was uh yeah it was interesting that it was actually it caught a lot of attention but it also was yeah repressed quite badly by the the police forces um but to go back to yourselves for a second uh can i ask you how um you got involved in in the movement of in the movement uh, maybe jonathan you can go first um i got involved in, well basically what happened was uh i i graduated from school uh, uh mathematics uh, and then i rolled Kind of by accident, actually, I rolled into an investment bank and there, um, you know, you get explained in the beginning how everything works and then you go over the numbers. And then I saw basically that this bank manages uh, more capital than the Belgian government budget, which makes you kind of worried about democracy. Uh, And then I went to a lecture by someone of the IPCC uh, here in Leuven. and there they explained the crisis and you know i i do understand numbers uh so i hardly slept for two weeks uh because it was yeah it was very very frightening and then at the same time i heard of extinction rebellion in london as they were you know blocking uh london uh, as they were shutting london down and the way they you know d- did the regenerative culture and you know the art and the the singing it's it looked to me like a very positive movement, you know, also with uh, the idea of no finger pointing to people um, as is often done and encouraged actually uh, by by the oil industry. Um, so yeah, I really liked the philosophy of this movement and then I looked if we had, uh, had one in Belgium and then I discovered that there was, so I joined. And you, Kranti? Mm. I must say I have similar story, slightly different. Now I'm a PhD researcher. I, you already mentioned I work in the field of environmental impact assessment of circular economy strategies. So this topic was not new to me. But one aspect that happened is the more you, the more anybody works in this field, the more aware you become. The more, um, the more. Uh, irritated you are about how slow we are making the transition. And the second aspect is I felt that I was always surrounded by the people like me. So I always felt I was in a bubble of people who are who think like me. And then you start questioning why does the change not happen? That's just because you're stuck in you're stuck in that bubble and you don't know what general public thinks. And these are the two aspects I wanted to change. One is not only contribute through science, but also contribute through a a bottom-up approach of changing 
changing the community, change, bringing more awareness within the community. And second is also a learning experience for me because I was stuck in the bubble. I didn't know wh why, what other people other than me or other than people like me think. So, f f which is why I started venturing into looking for activist movement uh, where I could be part of. Coincidentally, Extinction Rebellion happened around the same time. And every action I saw that happened in, in the streets of London, I felt related. I mean, there was this feeling that I should be right there right now. And that's uh, when I started looking for groups in, within Belgium and slowly became involved in the movement. That's interesting. So this is the f it's your first time in, in activism. That is correct. Yeah. And Jonathan as well? Yeah, it's, it's my first uh, involvement with activism, yes. That's nice. Yeah, it's it's intense, I can imagine, but I, I totally see what you mean. I think you feel very complete now that you're, yeah, you're actually studying and also like doing a lot of, carrying a lot of different actions all towards the same direction. So it comes into place. Um, and if I can ask a last question before a short music break, um, maybe Kranti can go first. Um, how do you think activism can actually be a, f a force to drive social social change? This is very a very personal question, but worth asking. I think what is compromised in democracy today is enabling the communities, enabling the people, and that's what activism does: is to it's the bottom-up push that you need to support uh, any any change, any big change. Probably, I, I I could give examples of many movements. I mean, I think uh, homosexuality rights in America. All these, the, the I mean, that's just one out of many where change has actually happened through a bottom-up movement. And probably that's what we also need in the in the climate movement: a bottom-up demand for uh, change to happen. And, and Jonathan, you have any thoughts on this? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I think that if we want to create any change, it will have to be by mass public pressure. Uh, because sometimes I think that people feel like, oh, if they just at the top realize how big the issue is, then they'll do something. But my housemate also works for the same bank, but for the insurance part. And actually, this really happened at the same time as she was having um, an internal education on how uh, life insurances would be impacted by everybody in the world and also in Belgium, uh, having a reduced uh, uh, life expectancy, uh, significantly reduced life expectancy for the future. So they were learning about this, how people would be dying sooner. And at the same time, I get a message that the investment bank part would not be changing anything about the fossil fuel policy. So they know, but they won't, they won't do anything unless you push them. Yeah, that's, that's very inspiring. <laughs> I agree. Um, I will stop you right there for a short music break. Um, and then we can go back at it. Um, so we are playing Boa Sorci by Ben Harper and Vanessa D'Amata. Enjoy. Acabou 
Boa sorte, não tenho o que dizer São só palavras e o que eu sinto Não mudará, tudo que quer me dar É demais, é pesado, não há paz Tudo que quer de mim It's over Good luck I have nothing left to say It's only words And what I feel Won't change Tudo que quer me dar Everything you want to give me É too pesado much. Não há Tudo que quer no peace. All you want from me Is real expectations That was Boa Sorte by Ben Harper and Vanessa D'Amata. Uh, so welcome back at the studio with Jonathan and Kranti, two real activists who are explaining to us a bit about what it means to be to be activists in, in practice. Uh, and yeah, about that, um, I also personally um, yeah, was engaged in one, one activist, uh, yeah, how, how, how would you call it, initiative. And I just remember yeah, all these mixed feelings, uh, positive, but also negative so like on the one side a lot of adrenaline
adrenaline and, and just like feeling so powerful but also very like a lot of fear fear of the unknown right so maybe i would ask uh kranti first but i also like to hear from jonathan a bit about um what do you think are the biggest challenges and risks um uh, when doing activism again there are multiple challenges i i cannot i cannot stop talking about corona uh, being one of the challenge of course it doesn't happen uh, it it wouldn't have happened in uh, last year or before but in last this year of 2020 a crucial year when you say every every year becomes more much more much more important and this year the amount of actions that could be done were close to zero the amount of people we could talk to were close to zero so that has been uh, yeah uh, yeah we have been handicapped by the current situation and before that uh, how about when you were able to engage in in some actions uh, or yeah initiatives did did you find encounter any challenges or uh, yeah risks that you you felt Um, again, I I talk about the arrests that happen. Uh, it is uh, it's an XR philosophy that a certain percentage of population should be arrested should be arrestable or uh, for any change to happen. But I think that does not work that well in Belgium because that perception uh, of XR prohibits people or restricts people from joining the movement itself. Yeah, because they're, they're, they they fear that it will be yeah, get into trouble with the law, right? Yeah, exactly. And for Jonathan, do you also agree with? Do you have anything to add to what to what Kranti said? Uh, maybe. Uh, so I th also think that one of the big challenges is the police response in Belgium, uh, and of course. Uh, What is also for me I, seems to as a challenge in activism is that we have, you know, activists, they tend to have strong opinions, right? And there is a lot of them. And we have a lot of feedback from people who think that we are not radical enough in our actions, people who think we are too radical. I think f for me, it seems like the biggest challenge in activism at the moment is just uniting. And if you don't think the strategy is perfect, okay and you try to make it a little bit better for example the outer salon was that for me because i completely disagreed with the optics of the action i thought it was a very bad idea and that it would come across as judging individuals rather than the system uh, so i went there with the attention of talking to people and explaining what was actually the issue and going on right so for me the challenge is getting people on board uh and engaged even if the tactic is not the perfect one according to them so that people actually become active Get, getting people involved is the challenge uh, i would like to add here uh, i think we briefly talked about this that it then xr or general any environmental movement uh, through but in specific xr tends to be a very um, European-centric uh, movement. It's really hard to attract uh, non-Europeans. And me being, uh, I'm non-Belgian, non-European. I'm one of the except, uh, I, one of the exceptions. And I myself, I'm, I'm quoting my own experience here. I restrict myself from taking part in any action. I 
even more so after the auto salon event but i limit myself to back end activities to support xr i mean of course these are activities as as important as uh, adrenaline adrenaline rush on the streets but um, which is uh, which is a, a problem which xr is systematically trying to tackle but it's still a problem So you feel like as a non-Belgian citizen you have more at stake somehow uh, than than like a Belgian a Bel- like Jonathan for example when doing activism for sure i mean there are multiple uh, like one it might sound a bit um, lame but one reason is not being fluent in in dutch or french i felt really uh, handicapped the the time i was arrested because many police officers did not speak english so at a point where i had to find out the reason for being arrested or if i had to defend at any at, at that point of time i could not do it without help of somebody else and second most important is your the documentation uh, i have the fear um of that if this incident would affect my uh, being here or my fu- uh, be, uh, or it will it affect in future my uh, right to live in belgium or anywhere else yeah that's understandable actually i mean i could definitely imagine that that's one thing we one taking takes into account when when decided to engage or not in like more strong action that's what also you guys mentioned as like a big obstacle for many people to join because not only maybe like from somewhere else so you're not familiar with the laws or you have a lot of stake but also like family um, i imagine also people with families um It's just a lot of things to, to take into consideration, definitely a lot of challenges. Uh, but I imagine also uh, engaging in these things is somehow satisfying, right? There is like a lot of satisfaction and self-fulfillment that comes with it or anyway, some positive sides to it. Maybe uh, Jonathan, you want to tell us a bit about what if that's the case for you? Uh Yes, it's actually it's been very positive for me to be involved. Um, uh, to go maybe a little bit too much into detail i don't know uh i have a lot of trouble with anxiety uh and especially you know uh, about uh, the ecological crisis uh so doing something about it is it's actually very therapeutic to me uh and for me being arrested actually in that moment you know they take the phone and you try to do your best and you try to do something and okay it, it didn't work at all that time uh but in that moment i had something like um I've done what I can at the moment I can't do anything else and that's actually one of the few moments I can remember like not having any anxiety actually at that moment which also says something about how my experience being arrested was versus that of Conti uh, because of course I'm in a very different situation I have I have a legal assistance insurance and all of that right and this is actually a reason why I think that we shouldn't per se worry too much about the activists in Extinction Rebellion being like upper middle class because of course these are the people that can uh, get arrested right uh, the the other people's voices must of course be included in coming up with solutions but we cannot make the police speak english right and this is why uh, i feel like people like me have a bigger responsibility than people who are less empowered Yeah, I think it's a very good point. I think it's it's definitely a good way of using uh, someone's privilege, I guess, to get I mean to get more into trouble for for a good cause, if you will. 
so yeah that's that definitely interesting to hear your opinion about this as well um all right we'll have just another quick break and then be back um after the song um we're playing fluorescent adolescent by the arctic monkeys Landed in a very common crisis Everything's in order in a black hole Nothing seems to fit to use my past though That bloody memory's like an El Tabasco Remember when you used to be a rascal Oh, the boy's a slag The best you ever had The best you ever had Is just a memory And those dreams But as daft as they seem As daft as they seem My love, when you dream them all Looking through a little book of sex tips Remember when the boys were all electric And now when she's told she's gonna get it I'm guessing that she'd rather just forget it Clinging to not getting sentimental Said she wasn't going but she went still Like a gentleman had to be gentle Was that a mecca dubber or a betting pencil? Oh, the boys are slack The best you ever had The best you ever had Is just a memory And those dreams When as daft as they seem As daft as they seem, my love, when you dream them of overthrow. Where did you go? Where did you go? Where did you go? That was Fluorescent Adolescent by the Arctic Monkeys. And uh, we'll just go on with the last part of this very interesting interview. I'm really um, sad that we have to end it uh, because it's very interesting talks uh, with Jonathan and Kranti here. Uh, so I just wanted to introduce uh, another um, aspect of, of the activism, yeah, of the big topic of activism. Um, and that is that uh, the, the social political context uh, in which the activism takes place it's it's very important to determine how it, it would actually whether you will achieve something or nothing and for democracy in general um because i have the feeling that uh, in europe um we're somehow used to um, people taking it to the streets um 
And although mm, some actions and movement, I mean, uh, demonstrations are met with, uh, are, yeah, there's violent confrontations within the police and the protesters. We've also seen so many peaceful protests. Um, but this is only like a very narrow view uh, of, of what, it, what activism means uh, in practice. And so I think it's, it's worth uh, asking uh, also what it, what, it, what it is or what it looks like in different countries that's not, uh, well, my country, Italy, or also Belgium. Uh, so, Granti, you're, you're from India. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure you got involved in any activism when you were in your home country or witnessed any public demonstration. Uh, but now that you got a, a glimpse of what it means to be an activist in Belgium, um, I thought I, it was worth asking you, um, what is activism like in India? And most of all, are there organizations that do similar protests to the ones of Extinction Rebellion? Unfortunately, I was not involved. Um, I would have liked to be involved. And if I or when I go back uh, to India, I would like to be involved. As I mentioned, there is an unease for me to go on streets here, which would not be the case if I were in my own country. So, uh, but environmental movement in general, which is my uh, specific topic um, of interest or concern, is very... Um, at initial stage. XR India does exist, but environmental movement has been very limited to, I mean, there was a, there has been a long history of protests around hydrological power plants because of its ecological and social impact. So that's one that touches upon environment, that comes close to environmental movement. Uh, other than that, there have been movements mainly in the context, in, in the socio-economic context. We have, um, a long history of movements around or against rather uh, the caste systems or um, the violence uh, that uh, that incurs around the caste system, the communal uh, imbalances or gender issues, sexual uh, harassment of women. So th these are aspects. Also, uh, corruption is one issue around which there is uh, ongoing uh, movement. But... Um, if and when I go back to India, I would really like to uh, be part of XR India if it is grown by that point or any other such movement because I really feel this is XR is a, um, is a movement that I closely relate to. But on the other hand, um, if I, even if I would be at ease on the street, there is the response, the government's response or the authorities' response, which could be a bit... Uh, not not to use the word threatening, but w could uh, could be a bit more violent than it happens here. Uh, the human rights against because power n not just re uh, lies at the government authorities in India or in, in countries like India, but it often overflows to local authorities. So. Uh, police forces often feel uh, powerful enough to to cross the border between uh, the human rights of uh, uh, protesters. So maybe I'm trying to uh, use euphemisms here. Uh, but so that's, that is something that would worry me if I were uh, to take part in activist movement in India. So you wouldn't say there is a good balance between peaceful protests and more violent protests in India? You would say that there is more uh, of a violent um, uh, response than like 
your experience in Belgium? That, yeah, I mean, often I, I am unable to understand why, again, this is just cultural differences. It's, it's just, I, I often do not understand why Belgian citizens complain about uh, police forces because I've, I would find them really supportive because I, I only compare it with the Indian context. So uh, there are uh, there are a lot of protesters in, uh, who are in jail and there's uh, there are no enough legal systems to help them and that's uh, that's a point of concern i see and and as jonathan is also here and he could be a witness uh, from like the yeah the belgian side of it since you mentioned like the response of belgium is considered quite um mild um do you think that's actually the, of sorry the response of pol police forces is quite mild uh do you agree with that um if, if i can ask you more yeah more broadly Uh, the response of, of the authorities to public demonstrations, for example, those of XR. And uh, as a response, I mean both police forces, but also uh, the governmental response. So if you if XR has achieved something somehow, or, or the vo its voice got to to the, the, the upper layers of, of the political system or, or not. I don't have the feeling actually that we achieved that in Belgium. Um, and when it comes to the police response, of course, you know, um, at the Royal Rebellion, the police was very violent. They tear gassed children and elderly people, right? Uh, and I saw them uh, beating tourists uh, that were falling over bicycles and all that. So um, I guess that maybe this is uh, still in a global context, a mild response, uh, but of course, To me, it's not good enough, right? Uh, and then, of course, when it comes to the, the political context, uh, of course, we will not have elections, maybe maybe for a while. Um, maybe, probably not, actually. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but, of course, there are also issues there because we try to educate people on the issues, but the politics are working against us, right? Um, the The... Um, like 50% of the political spectrum downplays the uh, climate crisis and they are in the board of the, the national news uh, station. So they, you know, appoint people who will also push uh, climate. Basically, at this point, saying that it's not that big of a deal is also tantamount to climate denial, right? Uh, so these issues are playing in Belgium. I, I don't know very well how they compare on a global scale because I, well, I've only ever lived here. Um, so yeah, uh, to me, it doesn't look too good, uh, which is why I would say like, you know, what I meant with the, the you know, uh, politicians on the board of the national news station, whatever people want to do, whether it's Extinction Rebellion, nonviolent direct action, getting involved in, in electoral politics, whatever it is, we need to do it in our context because we have very little power and we need to build it and we need to capture all of the institutions to make them aware of the crisis and make them act on it, right? Yeah, I think this is a very good call for action to end our our episode with for all our listeners. Get involved and be activists. 
um, yeah, guys, I'm 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 super um, sad to have to end this here, um, but we are running out of time. Uh, I just want to thank you really much for for being here and taking the time to come here and share your thoughts with us. It was really nice, and um, I hope that you can um succeed in in your in the in the initiative that you take that you get engaged with and hopefully something will change in the future thanks to people like you guys <laughs> so yeah and i would also like to um thank nicholas for being my co-host for today it is a pleasure and uh, i'll see you next week for our next episode and uh, thanks again guys for being here And I also would like to invite our listeners to check our um, social medias, uh, our website, thevoiceleuven.be, uh, for our articles uh, on Facebook, The Voice International Student Publication, and Instagram, thevoice.kuleuven. And of course, you can check our previous radio episodes and future radio episodes on our Spotify channel, The Voice on Radio. And I will go on and introduce our last song of today, The House of the Rising Sun by The Animals. Enjoy and see you next week. <laughs>